Hi, and welcome to this new episode of The Light Leaders. Today, I'm with Brian Mirabella. And Brian, I'm really interested in having you on the podcast because uh, you are into breathwork. You are a fruitarian also, and we'll talk about that. And for people listening, you know that right now I'm really interested in people who live what I would call, let's say, a pretty pure lifestyle closer to nature. And one of the things I'm really interested in is uh, eating fruits, mainly being fruitarian and also cultivating energy practices that use breath only, the simple breath. So I'm super happy to have you, Brian, for these reasons. We'll talk about uh, different topics that I'll talk about now, and I'll create chapters in the YouTube video so the listener can go and listen to the parts that they're really interested in. But the idea is to start with your story, Brian, and uh, what led you to being really in breathwork, in strengths, and now fruitarianism. Um, also, how you deal with that living in Manhattan, in New York City, very different than being here in Bali. Um, also, how, how it was for you to build muscle on that more fruit diet. Then we can talk about uh, the breath and also the possibility of replacing food to get fuel through breath. And also, uh, then I have uh, quite a few questions to lead up to that. So thank you so much, Brian, for being here today. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. I think it's a beautiful podcast that you put out, and you have really exceptional people on as guests with tremendous information that everybody in the world really mm. needs to see, but it also depends on whether or not they resonate with it, like anything. So I'm excited. Yeah, thank you so much. And I'm very grateful to have you, Brian, because on my path to be more connected to nature and to have more purity in my body, it's really helpful to see people who have been doing it for a while and who can be examples, especially as a, as a young man who I don't want to be fruitarian to be out of the body. I want to be fruitarian to, as a gift to my body to be uh, in the best shape and strength and vitality and levels of energy uh, and clarity of mind that I can and so I mean looking at you there's yeah. definitely something you're doing that that works and it can be quite far from the image of being fruit the fruitarian being necessarily uh let's say the the hippie stereotype of someone very skinny and weak so thank you for being a an inspiration on that and showing what's possible thank you well remember that point because I don't want to talk about it now, but when you talked about being out of your body and instead you want to be the, the participant as well as the observer, we need to touch on that because Dr. Morse talks about that, how he was out of his body for years. Mm. And when he was basically living on oranges for just years, when he was basically very young and living in the mountains as a farmer. And, um, sometimes I need to stop that feeling. So I need to break my detox, but we can, we can touch on that later. Okay. Yeah. That's a really good point. So we'll talk about, we'll talk about that. And um, I have a quick question to open up. What are you grateful for today, Brian? I'm grateful for your presence. I'm grateful for just being alive. I'm grateful for the journey that's gotten me to this point to be able to, feel open 
enough to share my journey with people who want to hear it and grateful for everybody out there. You know, my life is in service to others. So I'm literally grateful for all the people that listen, that resonate with the information because without them, you'd be alone. So I'm grateful for everybody who's out there. Mm, thank you, Brian. <laughs> and I'll, I'll just show to the listener because they know one of my kind of new passion is also uh, drinking tea. So I'm having a nice puer at the moment. I know you like tea too. Puer is great. <laughs> okay, Brian, I'm curious about uh, a little bit of background so people can understand a bit where you're coming from. Sure. Well, I'm 53 years old. I oh, was wow. Just, I just, <laughs> I just okay. turned 53 in July, and my birth date is 7-13-69. So that's 7-1-3-6-9. Those are mm. Tesla's numbers. So I was born on like, you know, one of the best years ever. I'm in Indigo. I was sent here in the first wave to help humanity ascend. But us Indigos who were sent here in the first wave, uh, we had to go through a lot of turmoil. So my birth was, well, my, my mom had an easy birth, but her pregnancy, she smoked her whole pregnancy. So from the minute I was conceived, I was in a toxic environment. And when I was born, my mom didn't breastfeed me. So in 1969, they were encouraging women not to breastfeed. And she had these big voluptuous Italian breasts that probably could have nourished me very well, developed nice bone structure in my, in my mm -hmm. face, gave me an open airway. But instead, I was born the opposite way. I was bottle fed. So I developed more of a narrow jaw, which compresses your airway. So right from the minute I came out, I was already under the gun. Now, I didn't really figure this out until the last four years, where I really started to look back at my life and go, wow, if you really think about your own gestation till now, <laughs> right? So that's why I'm able to explain it. And then... Um, I was born to a single mother in the Bronx. Uh, we lived with her father till I was 15, but he, it was, he was a wonderful man. He was beautiful to me, he loved me. I thank God for him because my mom was, if you wanna call her bipolar, she was bipolar, but really what happened was when she was 13, um, she was the middle child of two, young, two brothers, one who was three years older than her, one was 10 years younger than her. So he was three when she was 13. And my grandfather was cheating on his wife with his wife's best friend. And then he decided to leave his wife and three children for this woman who lived next door. So he destroyed the family. And my mom, according to my uncle, was never the same. So mm. that trauma impacted her life greatly. So... By the time she had me at 25, she was already a mess and she wasn't really ready to be a mother. She had um, relations with a man who was uh, 17 when she was 19. So his parents got the marriage annulled, which I saw in documents when she passed away. But yet they must have still been fooling around. 
So years later, she had me. And then um, from very early age, I remember asking her when I was like eight, like, you know, how come I don't know my father? Other kids have fathers. And she said, your father was a bad man. He hit me. He mm-hmm. now tell you're telling this to a young kid, right? So he was not good to me. I was pregnant before you and he punched me in the baby. I lost the baby. So again, I'm just telling you this, be, not for people to feel bad for me because there are millions of people around the world who have it worse, but we all have our own subconscious. We all have our own trauma and it gets stored in your subconscious. It's like an explosion in your DNA of light. And that light etches into your nervous system, but it corrupts your pathways and you never let go of it unless you know how to deal with it. Not Mm -hmm. through talk therapy, but through spiritual practices of basic meditation or going to a person who facilitates healing because the healer is never really a healer. You're always doing the healing yourself. They're facilitating. So uh, I lived with her till I was 18. She was a heavy smoker. So I was sick all the time. I remember being sick all the time. I remember being congested all the time. I remember being a mouth breather. Because now when I think about it, for what I do as a living as a breathing instructor, I'm a master instructor for the Oxygen Advantage. I'm also a restorative breathing coach by Dr. Lois Laney. And I'm a Breathe certified trainer by Dr. Beliza. Uh, Mm -hmm. on top of having 33 years of personal training experience in New York City, training Fortune 500 CEOs and everything, you know. Um, So, you know, I was disadvantaged my whole life. And then my mom was really vicious, like intensely vicious. She beat me. She screamed and cursed at me. She embarrassed me in front of people. So all of that disrupts and distorts your breathing mechanics you start to brace Mm. you start hard and you start to suck in and then you never breathe fully and deeply again in your life because you're scared so you're always on edge so you're gonna you're gonna brace which means you can't take a full breath and then what happens is anytime you face trauma anytime right your adrenal glands have to activate in order to secrete neurotransmitters that tell you to get away from the, from the fight. Either you stand there and fight or you get away. The brain doesn't know, doesn't want to know stress ever. It's, it's fight or flight, right? It's either fight to protect your life or get away from danger. And most people would choose getting away from danger. But when you live with that person, you can't get away from danger. So my adrenal glands were overtaxed my whole life. And then uh, I chose wrestling when I was 14 in high school and wrestling gave me that, that escape that I could channel all that toxic energy into trying to crush people on the mat. And I became a really good wrestler. And I went to college. I wrestled in college. I was a really good wrestler in college. Also the whole time though, I was not living a, raw lifestyle i was growing up in the 70s and 80s my mom was on welfare and i was eating mostly processed foods so atop of everything my nutrition was terrible 
So I continued on that journey. After wrestling at 26, I became a power lifter. So I built myself up. Now you were talking about how do you have all these muscles when you're on fruitarian? Well, I can honestly say, I don't hold back that I was born this way. I'm a true mesomorph. From the time I was five years old, my mom was telling me, Brian, flex for my, her friends would come into the house and be like, Brian, show them your muscles. Okay. Show them your abs. <laughs> and then my whole life, people would, would identify me with my body as well. So mm. then my ego took over. I never fully lived in my own body. I was never fully present. I always had an image. Plus, I'm only five foot six, so I was short. So I got picked on a lot. I was skinny. I got beat up a lot. And wrestling got me not to get beat up anymore because mm. people that were beating me up didn't want to fight me anymore. Once you just, once you beat them once, they never want to fight you again. So after college, I started powerlifting. So now I take a body that's already been weight training since it was 13. I started eating even more protein. So I'm just eating 100 grams of protein every single day to be as big as I could, to be as strong as I could. And I wound up squatting 622 pounds drug-free. I never did performance-enhancing drugs. I've done recreational drugs, which I'm going to get to because I'm an open book. Yeah. And um, so then I, I destroyed my spine, right? In wrestling, you already have scoliosis because you're twisted. You're twisted and you're bent over. So you yeah. give yourself scoliosis when you're a wrestler, right? Your tissue gets, gets mm. molded like clay in the position that you spend most of the time in. And I spent 12 straight years wrestling and then 18 more after that being a uh, kid's wrestling coach. So after powerlifting, I continued to eat. My mom passed away when I was 26. She died of breast cancer. She was toxic. So she died at 52. And um, that was a very difficult time in my life. It was very stressful because I loved my mom, but I knew all the terrible things she did to me. And when she passed away, I was more angry at her than anything else. Because every time I tried to tell her, she would tell me things didn't happen. And I was like, okay, right. So I can't even, I can't even clear my conscience. <laughs> you won't allow that. Right. Yeah. So then you wind up not forgiving that person. And then you take that energy with you in life. But that energy isn't just in your mind. It shows up in your organs. It shows up in your emotional state and how you treat other people. So I wound up being a womanizer. I never treated women poorly, but I tried to have as much sex as I possibly could. And I wouldn't spend more than one night with somebody. I wouldn't want anybody to get close to me. And Brian also, uh, I mean, this is all super relevant and I'm a little bit conscious of the time because I know I'll have a lot of questions also uh, tying, cool. tying up that. Yeah. Okay. And so basically when uh, I was 39, my body started to break down. I started to get hurt. I had two herniated discs in my lower back. Um, I partially tore my left biceps tendon. And then for two and a half years, I anguished. In, in agony and I but I didn't get any surgery because I I knew that if a starfish could regrow a leg and you could take out half a person's liver that you could regenerate your tissue mm. so I really went on the journey and that's when it started at 42 I really started my healing journey because I found 
a Thomas Myers anatomy trains teacher. And that's when I started to really learn about the body. And mm. she became a mentor to me. Um, she's still my mentor. And I, I, uh, let me get that light back on. I started to really heal myself. I had to heal my mind in order to heal my body, but it started body first because that's how I identify myself. And then I became, I went vegetarian 10 years ago. So I gave up flesh 10 years ago. I stopped eating meat because I had irritable bowel syndrome. I couldn't sleep at night. I had insomnia for 20 years. I had night sweats because the proteins were corroding my body because they're acids. Mm. So they were destroying me from the inside out. They were creating an acidic environment of the interstitial space in your body and they were corroding me. And those acids go on your nerves, they go on your muscles, and then all of a sudden your body stops working. Yeah. So I was vegetarian for five years and then I became vegan. And then, um, well, about three years into it, and then I became vegan, except I was still cheating. It was transition. I didn't go cold turkey. I transitioned each time, right? I had to slowly wean off things. I couldn't just stop. And, and then- so vegan was five years ago? Vegan was seven years ago. And then uh, five years ago, I met an acupuncturist because I was trying to heal myself. I felt terrible. And she said to me, she'd been doing this for 30 years. She was very gifted. They called her the healing hand in school. And she said, her, for my first session, she said, guys like you have a heart attack in your 60s and die. And I was like, what? What? I was like, are you kidding? Look at me. All right. I'm like, how could I, how could I be unhealthy when I look like this? Because your doctor doesn't know what your kidneys and your liver and your stomach, they can't tell, right? You need a Chinese medicine practitioner. Mm. You need someone who's got training in the Eastern arts to be able to tell you how you're really functioning. So uh, it was still a two year ride that was very difficult. I wasn't really healing. And I said to her, you know, what's going on with me? She's like, well, your blood's drying out. You got renal disease, blah, blah, blah. I said, I can heal, right? And she said, well, I don't really think so because you're getting older, your blood's drying out. But I had already healed from my herniated discs. I had already fully healed and regrew them. So I regrew my back, my discs. So I, I left her and I found a different acupuncturist who's a Qigong master. Mm. So my first session with him, I told him what she said, and he said very nicely, I agree with her assessment. And I was like, oh, my God, a year and a half and nothing's changed. So about six months later of seeing him every week, uh, I found Dr. Sebi on YouTube. And I started watching Dr. Sebi videos, and then it led me to Dr. Morse. Mm -hmm. Now, I had already started becoming a breath coach. So I don't call it breath work because work is work and breath is not work. So it's breath training. I'm a restorative breath training coach. I don't do mm. breath work. I train my breath to be low, slow, and deep. So I had already been on the breath journey for a year and a half. And through breathing, through rebalancing your breath, restoring your blood pH, it started to lead me in the direction of higher vibrational information. That's mm. how I feel, like law of attraction. So that's how I found Dr. Sebi. 
that's how I found Dr. Morse. And I started diving in deep to Dr. Morse. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to become fruitarian because I don't want to die in my 60s. Right. I'm going to do I'm that kind of guy. Like if you tell me that something's going to happen like that, well, I'm going to stop and I'm going to go cold turkey and I'm not going to keep doing what I did that got me to this position to begin with. So I did. I went full on fruitarian for six months. I ate nothing but fruit every single day. And at night, I only had avocados because the detox is severe. You detox pretty significantly when you change. And I was vegan, but I was cooked vegan. I didn't even really know that I shouldn't be eating cooked food. I should be raw vegan. So I went right from being a cooked vegan to fruitarian. And that was three years, eight months ago. Almost exactly. Mm. Three years, eight months ago. So for the first six months, I lost 16 pounds. I was still muscular, but I lost 16 pounds. So all this pus and mucus was being drained from my body. And my acupuncturist had told me, I don't think you should do this. I said, why? He said, because you need protein. I said, Dr. Ming, I'm vegan. I don't eat protein. I take marine phytoplankton, which are the building blocks of life, right? It's the perfect organism. It's an organism. It's not a supplement. It's food. So it has all the essential fats, all the essential amino acids, all the amino acids, all the vitamins, and almost all the minerals. So every time you eat the perfect food, when your DNA unravels, it expresses it in the most positive way. So now my body's making proteins that are, have the perfect amino acid chains. So I'm expressing my DNA strands in a very positive way that everybody in the planet can also do. And then uh, eight months into the fruitarian journey, he said to me, Brian, What you've done with your body is nothing short of remarkable. I've Mm. never seen anything like it. You should keep going. This diet's working for you and I'm learning for you, even though I told you not to, because they don't understand detoxification. They believe that you need all the elements, a little bit of fish, a little bit of meat, a little bit of plants, right? And I didn't do that. So not only did I heal all of my kidney damage, my kidneys were in sub-basement level eight, he said. He said, people in your condition, I'm only trying to help them not get worse. He didn't know that I could get better. So he said, not only have you reversed all of your kidney damage, but you're now strengthening your primordial chi energy. And that's impossible at your age. So here I am three years, eight months later. And he says, you're, you're getting younger. Every time you come, you get better and better. You're getting younger. You've reversed all of your damage. You still have some kidney and liver to continue to build up, but you'll never have trouble in your life. You'll never die of any kind of disease because you've healed your organs. And it's been because of fruit and marine phytoplankton. Thank you, Brian. Well, that's a beautiful, beautiful background to it. I have like so many questions. (laughs) Well, first one, as you talked about um, um, regenerating and getting younger, uh, how long do you think we can live? Oh, infinitely. Mm. 600 years, maybe. Noah was Sumerian king. He was 600. Mm. So, and I'm sure he ate raw. I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, I can't prove it. But back then, they weren't eating animals. Mm. They were... Noah, Noah in the Bible, I think he does like 950. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so, 
even even older. Okay, <laughs> right. So, have you, you know, have you read uh, *Man's Higher Consciousness* by Hilton Hotima? Yes, I think so. Yeah. yeah, that's why I love. Well, I love oranges, but I'm big on oranges. <laughs> um. So, so yeah. Once I was told that I was gonna die, I said, mm. "Well, I'm gonna do whatever it takes, and I'm gonna stop." And I I live with a person who is not vegan. And I live in New York City. Now, you were wondering about New York City. Well, I train my breath every day. So I have a high threshold of carbon dioxide. So no matter where I am, I can be happy. No matter where I am, I won't be stressed by my surroundings. And luckily, New York City gets everything. So I also will honestly say that I don't worry about organic food because, first of all, food is not organic. That's not true. They geoengineer the skies. If you look up and you see planes spraying, well, that's getting in your organic food. Your organic food is not organic. So conventional is the same, right? People are like, no, it's a seed. No, it's the same. Because even Dr. Moore says he's healed people on stage four cancer with Walmart grapes only because they were on a budget, right? So just 40 straight days of nothing but grapes. All right, okay. I, just did, I just did 13 days of Concord grapes. Then I took two days off and now I'm back on them because they're still in season. Do they have, yeah, do they have seeds, those grapes? They, they do, but I juice them. Okay. So I'm, I've been on a solid food vacation. Hmm. Well, because th that's definitely, I think, uh, I agree with you. Like, it's really hard to find the best of the best, but that that's one thing with my fruitarian journey and when I want to look into, okay, if we used to live hundreds of years, How was the earth then? Where we're living in ancient forests with the purest air? Where we're living on fertile soils with the best heirloom seeds that would grow fruits that would pick from the tree? And to me, there, there is a doubt that Frutarian works if we're in the chemtrail polluted air of a big city with fruits that have been, um, let's say, to the best crossed in many ways and maybe seeds been removed to even maybe genetically modified i'm like can that still work can i still get prana from my breath work in new york city can i still get those the prana from the fruit from those fruits that have been that are so different and kept in fridges for six months and you think that's fine yeah well Like I said, my acupuncturist tells me I get better and better. So that means what I'm doing isn't hurting me. Where I live isn't hurting me. And it's also a belief system. I don't fear anything. I don't fear anything. I'm not fearing the chemtrails. I know they're there, but I don't worry about it because I know I'm getting better. So I can override that with daily meditation and yeah. right practices of eating and breath training. So I can overcome it. How long do I, am I going to live? I don't know, <laughs> right? But my goal, I would say, I'd, I'd like to see if I can live to at least 150, <laughs> right? Because I'm not sure if the first 48 years of my life can be completely wiped out. Mm. Yeah. So I only started three and a half years ago. Yeah, so we'll there's, there's a number of factors for that from that, uh, okay, we can live, I don't know, hundreds of years on fruits only, but then it's like, What have we done the first few decades of our lives? What environment we're in that we just talked about? Also, 
probably their ancestors. You talked about your, your mom smoking, but also if we have like 50 generation of meat eaters, how does that affect also where, where we're at? So that's another topic. And, but the last one that I really like that you bring up is it's almost like there's two systems. There's one that's really matter-based and physical where we look into, okay, one of the best fruits, coming back to nature, and then the belief system, because in the end, I do believe everything comes from consciousness and, and that it, it's all about beliefs too. So yeah. it's really good that you bring it in the space. And I know that's going to be a, a question for later, but I know personally it's something where I'm playing, where I want the pure, the purest, but also want, don't want to um, be in unhealthy fear and seeing everything as a poison. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, you we are subject that we live in this fishbowl and we have to breathe in this air. So mm. it's really important to understand increasing your threshold of carbon dioxide because mm. that's how you liberate oxygen. And I've worked with a lot of yogis who actually find out that they're not really as good a breather as they thought they were. Mm. Right. And if you really think about it in the beginning, before we were genetically disadvantaged from our generations of bad diets and parents and a society with poison eating, when we were born, we were meant to be sustained by our moms for as long as we needed. And essentially, fruit was to rebalance our emotional energy centers, our chakras, while we learned to control our emotions, our hearts, our minds, until we gained inner peace, where then we transcended into breatharianism. And fruit was just for occasional joy. Right. In the Garden of Eden, the first I don't think it was the apple. They in the lost books of Eden, because they're they're out there, the lost books of Eden. The first thing they ate were figs. God gave them. Okay. They ate figs. That was the first thing. I have a friend here. He thinks the forbidden fruit is the durian. (laughs) Oh, wow. I love durian. But yeah, you you can only eat that once in a while. That's like a treat. I mean, it's not going to hurt you, but it's, you know, it's fat. So now, since we live in these societies, we've depleted our bodies of our vast mineral stores. Mm. And we filled our bodies with mucus, congestion, and acid over the years of poisonous eating. So fruit can't just be for emotional stability and balancing the nervous system and the chakras. We must have mineral-dense roots to replenish the Mm. mineral stores, as well as to counteract the depletion, as it takes 10 times an alkaline base to neutralize an acid. That's why breath training is very important. Because it's your breath that regulates your blood chemistry, not your food, right? So, and f- actually, I do I do a fair bit of Wim Hof, like uh, three four times a week. I did one this morning. What do you wow. think about uh, breathwork practice? Yeah, that's for me. For me, it's something I would never do. Okay. Yeah. Why? Okay, you want to know why? Well, yeah, of course. There's, there's something called the law of cellular respiration. It's a physiological law. It was originated in 1904 by a Danish scientist named Christian Bohr, whose son was Nobel Prize winner Niels Bohr for quantum physics. Mm. And he found that the red blood cell carries oxygen. And inside that red blood cell that carries oxygen, oxygen needs a carrier. So in order for the oxygen to be carried through your body in your circulation, it's bound to hemoglobin within the red blood cell. The only way to get oxygen 
liberated from hemoglobin is in the presence of carbon dioxide. So when you hyperventilate, you remove all the carbon dioxide from your body, which means you create an affinity between hemoglobin and oxygen. So it means ultimately you're starving yourself of your prized food. Mm. I've okay. converted lots of Wim Hof people. Okay, okay. Um, what does, like, let's say, I don't know if you can explain in a couple of minutes, but why, what's your breathing modality and why, why do you like it? Like, what does it create? Great question. So I'm an oxygen advantage master instructor. It has its roots in the Buteco method, which is from Eastern Bloc Russia, which is why most people don't know about it because it's behind the Iron Curtain. So Professor Buteco researched that physiological law from 1904. This is in the late 50s and 60s. And he came up because he was a, a well-renowned scientist in Russia. He was treated like a god. He got a mansion, a car, all the money in the world to do research. So the research has been around for 50 years about how good this breathing technique is and how it can restore your vitality and rejuvenate yourselves. So it's called what you do is hypocapnic training. That's where you're removing the CO2. What I do is the complete opposite. I do hypercapnic training. I do breath exercises that are designed to increase the carbon dioxide in your body. So you have a higher threat. On that, I remember a friend telling me the only difference between a melatonin and a DMT molecule is carbon, a carbon dioxide. Yeah, right. So carbon dioxide is the most important molecule in your body. It's not a waste gas. It's not a waste gas in your body. When you breathe out, you don't breathe all of it out. Some of it stays in your body. That's because mm -hmm. it, you need it in your body to signal hemoglobin to release oxygen. If you removed it, like you do when you hyperventilate, then you're starving yourself of oxygen. And over time, that won't work out too well for people. And, and can you explain I, again why I'm starving myself of oxygen? Because, oh, is it because I like my understanding is I kind of remove the di carbon dioxide. And so I don't realize that I need oxygen, but it's just for a short period of time, right? Like, so, or, or is it training my no, body? You're, you're, you're tricking your body to, yeah. to only very use whatever oxygen is available in your body. You're tricking it to steal it from your, your limbs and only send it to your brain and your heart, Okay. right? So you could feel good doing hyperventilation. It doesn't mean it's good for you. And I my- also, also why uh, I've done some free diving training and you never do hyperventilation because it's, you actually lose those healthy signal for the body to tell you you need oxygen. Right, so my advice is to stop immediately okay. <laughs> and never do it again. <laughs> okay. That's good. You know, Thank again, you. you could feel good from it. The reason we feel good from things that aren't good for us is because at least it's drawing an attention onto your breathing. So it can calm you down. It can, it can activate some good responses in your body, but
but ultimately mm-hmm. it's starving you of oxygen. And that is what you want to stay away from. So mm. there's no reason to do it. It's really not even necessary. You can do what we do, which is hypercapnic training. So we just go literally just now, exhale, hold your breath. And then when you exhale and hold your breath, I'm going to get my light back on. When you exhale and hold your breath, carbon dioxide goes up and oxygen gets liberated from the cell. So while I hold my breath on an exhale, my body's actually delivering oxygen to my tissues, whereas the opposite stops. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. So, Mm. uh, you know, over the last five years, I've worked with uh, probably four or 500 people already. And, um, people have really life transforming experiences. So it's not about getting high on your breath. It's about living high through your breath, not breathing the air, but allowing the air to breathe you. Interesting. The Buddha was not hyperventilating. Ramana Maharshi, Yogananda were not hyperventilating. They were breathing as little as possible. Or I shouldn't say as little, as slowly as possible. Babaji, who's still alive, he's been alive for many, many centuries, was only is famous for taking one breath a minute. Right? Okay. The idea is to breathe no more than six breaths per minute. So it's mm. either a five-second inhale and a five-second exhale, but I like to do four in and six out. So that's the perfect breath. One breath every 10 seconds. Okay. Um, by the way, Babaji, you said um, alive and like a few centuries. I'm really interested in looking for people who have been alive a few centuries. Can I get more information on, on that somewhere? Uh, I, would, I would look up Santos Bonacci. I forgot his Instagram channel. I mean, his uh, YouTube channel. But just type in Santos okay. Bonacci, N-A-C-C-I. And uh, in one of his most recent podcasts with John, uh, John Nolan from Inspired, he talks about these Rishis who have been alive for centuries. I forgot yeah. there's a name for them. And they live in the mountains of India and they've been alive for centuries. They don't eat. They don't drink. They don't participate in society. They're here to help the planet. They're like bodhisattvas in a way. Right. Like Thich Nhat Hanh, a bodhisattva is as close to enlightenment as you can get, but yet you're here to be the participant and the observer. Mm. That's really the goal, to participate in the world, but be the observer. To not allow, to. so when I do breath training, I'm slowing down my brain waves, which keeps me in alpha and theta. And when I have slower brain waves, my lower brain which correlates to my lower chakras, my, my root, my sacrum, I can keep my ego desires at bay. So I don't live out of my, my root. I don't live out of my sexual desires, out of my desires for gluttonous foods, right? Fighting like I used to, emotional, um, you know, emotional craziness like I used to, because I'm living more out of my heart center and my higher heart. So when you breath train, and you have more liberated oxygen, it gets to your brain, your higher brain, your cerebral cortex 
starts running the show like it's supposed to. Oh, I lost your volume. Oh, yeah. That makes me think of, uh, I like Kundalini Yoga. And in Kundalini Yoga, there's a bit of both, I feel. There's the breath of fire, which makes me think more of hyperventilation. But then there's a, a lot of meditation where you actually go very slowly, like you breathe for 10 seconds and, and breathe out for 10 seconds. Um, well, my first question is, is breath of fire hyperventilation? And then do you also not recommend that? Yeah, I've also converted a few Kundalini people because there's a lot of breathing methods out there, but nobody tests what their baseline breath is to begin with. So, you know, when you go to high school or college, you take tests to get into the school. Are you ready for that program, right? So people should be doing breath tests to see if they're ready for that type of breath training. And 99.9% .9 are not because breath of fire, again, you can feel good, you can be calm, but it doesn't mean it's good for you. And I've done Kundalini in the past before I knew breath training. This is like six, seven years ago. And even the woman here in New York, who's very revered around the world, she looks her age. She doesn't look like really young because she's hyperventilating all the time. So she's not getting oxygen to her body. And Wim Hof looks terrible. And he's only 10 years older than me. Right? I mean, you're on mute again. To be fair, sometimes also we don't really know what's their past, right? I mean, if someone was at 40, was going to die from cancer, and you have the same with some fritarians, uh, I think Duke Graham, the author of the 80-10-10 diet, he did a video, why do I look my age? And he was saying, well, there's been decades when I was actually doing really bad. So sometimes it's not so easy yeah, well, to I, I looked much worse five years ago. Okay. And I look much, much younger now. I've gone in reverse. And people mm. that know me can say, yes, this is true. Especially during COVID. When two and a half years went by and I didn't see certain friends, they looked at me and they said, wow, wow. And then I just started training a woman I went to college with and I hadn't seen her in four years. And she said, oh, there's a complete difference in your face. Mm. You look totally different from when I saw you four years ago. So you can override all of that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I resonate with it too. I like Kundalini practices, but I can feel so it can... Uh, activate a lot of fire sometimes versus so i feel sometimes they need to balance with slow breathing yeah um, are you i guess you've been to qigong also those more calm modalities yeah i mean i i want to be like a ninja can you hear a ninja no <laughs> right there's three levels of breathing in buddhism number one is i should never be able to hear you breathe if i can hear you breathe you have dysfunctional breathing number two is if you can hear yourself breathe, you have dysfunctional breathing. Number three means you're breathing so light, so quiet, so still that you don't even know you're breathing. So there's really only one level that you need to and want to attain. And that's mm -hmm. by breathing low, slow, deep, quietly through your nose all the time, never through your mouth. Your mm -hmm. mouth was not designed to breathe. It has no 
function whatsoever when it comes to breathing. It's an emergency system. And the reason people breathe through their mouth is because they can't breathe through their nose. So I teach people that now open their nose, how to get their nose working, how to get their diaphragm working. And that's why it's breath training. And that also when you exercise, right? You always breathe with your nose, even if you do. You've never seen a cheetah run with its mouth open. You've never seen a horse run a race with its mouth open, right? Only humans. Love it. Never exercise with your mouth open. Mm. What we talked about with Kundalini Yoga made me think of another practice that I've been doing for a, a while, quite a lot. I have an ice bath here in my home, like a chest freezer. And that's something I really like. And that's something I've stopped quite intuitively for the past months or two, because I feel, I'm like, is that overstimulating? Like, it feels really good. Uh, I've trained myself to be good in the cold. So I love it because now I I go here in the mountains and everyone's with a big coat and I'm just like in a sarong. And so there's a part where I really like it, but there's also a part where I'm, I'm wondering, yeah, is it overstimulating my system and is it really good for me? Um, right. What do you think of ice bath? Well, Hilton Hotima talked about that, that extremes are not good for the body, right? Adaptate. You're supposed to adapt to it. So for me, I don't take ice baths, but in the mornings I start with the water on on lukewarm and then i gradually move it to cold during the winter and then when i go outside i don't need to wear jackets because just the shower alone gets me adjusted to the cold so i allow my body to adapt like right now it's still warm out so there's no cold water in new york city because the pipes are in the in the in the ground so it's good because now it's starting me out slowly because if I went into the cold now, I would die. <laughs> so um, I think that there are, you know, it's like the newest thing. Again, they're coming out with all these studies about what it's good for, but is it creating adrenal fatigue? Are they studying the adrenal glands? Do they actually know what it's doing to the nervous system? Is it actually benefiting you? And apparently, you don't need more than three minutes in the ice. So three minutes is that is enough to get everything that they need out. You know, they're trying to build brown fat, right? Except my belief is that you can regulate your body temperature with your breath. Your breath regulates everything. So if your nose is open and unblocked and you breathing calmly and deeply, then you can regulate your body temperature in the winter, which I am very successfully doing every single year without ever practicing any hyperventilation. You're on mute. <laughs> I gotta remember that. Um, it makes me think of, have you read the book Anastasia? No. It's like a, a Russian woman living in the, in the wild and she's just eating a little bit. It's a very beautiful book from a series called the uh, Ringing Cedar series. Wow. And, and she's never cold also. And that's something I felt too. I was weirdly not cold. And we have that place in the mountains and we're generally fruitarian. And some people um, ask, oh, because it's cold, it'd be nice to have warm meals. But I also almost feel like being on fruits helps me with, with the cold. I eat fruit the whole winter. Alex, would you do me a favor? Would you talk to the listeners for one second? Because I just have to release a little bit of urine. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, so guys, that's super interesting so far. I'm so happy to have Brian. And as he talks, I have so many questions. When he's back, I will be a little bit back more on him and how he got bulky. Also, because he said he's only on fruits for like three years, right? And for me, that's something I'm really interested in, which is um, like, can we get strong on fruits versus uh, having being, str <laughs> being strong before and then uh, eating fruits? And actually, that's why it's interesting to have Brian and having had Josh X, because Josh X has been basically many fruitarians since he's 12. And you, Brian, you have a very different profile. And I'll get onto that, but just a little question in between as we're talking about the ice bath and the breath. Um, there's something I find sometimes when I'm, call it like samadhi, for example, and it can happen when I'm in the ice bath, especially after sauna. It can happen, uh, I don't know if you've ever done buffo, but happened to me with, with, with Buffo. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and is that I feel that I stop breathing. Or at least I breathe, but for a few minutes, like just tiny, tiny bit, which makes me wonder, um, how, I mean, even how much we need to breathe. I don't know. Is that an experience you've had to feel like you don't need to breathe anymore? And what do you make of it? Yeah, one of the exercises that I teach is called breathing light. So we take the breath down to a crawl. And when we take the breath down to a crawl, the body starts to accumulate carbon dioxide. And when it accumulates carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide looks for hemoglobin and releases oxygen. So in this law called the Bohr law, there's only two sides of chemistry, two in the body, that's it, right? You know this from, from even lymph and the fruit. Your body can only go one of two ways, acid or alkaline. So when I slow down my breath and carbon dioxide goes up, my blood actually goes a little bit acidic. However, in the short term, that's a very good response because it's signaling hemoglobin to let go of oxygen. Mm. So that's a very important response. If I breathe too hard and too fast, the curve shifts to the left the blood becomes alkaline because carbon dioxide has been removed, mm. which means oxygen stops being released. So with your breathing technique that you just mentioned, it's very advantageous, but not to breathe like that all the time. Although now, because I have such a slow breath, I do find sometimes where I feel like I'm barely breathing. And I feel really blissful all the time. I feel really peaceful. And it's a really beautiful experience that I'm having and you can't have your breath a certain rhythm all day it's got to change so sometimes it'll be really small sometimes maybe it'll be a little faster than you'd like but not too fast right there's some sort of range that we want to get to that we want to be near and it's six breaths a minute mm -hmm. and many yogis have been buried alive and what they do is they slow their breathing down to nothing because they're already loaded with oxygen. The blood is fully saturated with oxygen. That's why when they put pulse oximeters on, they go, oh, I'm 99% saturated, that's good. No, it's not good. It means that 99% of all the oxygen is bound to hemoglobin. 
So I want to be more like 97 to 98.5. That extra one, 1.5% of oxygen does wonders to the body. Mm. It's very finely tuned. That's why, you know, Dr. Morse talks about pH is 7.4 or 7365 to 74. Very finely tuned. So it's the mm. same thing with your oxygen, 97 to 98.5. If you can live in there, then you're going to be very successful in life and you're not mm. going to enter any detoxification responses because you're removing lactic acid as you produce it. Mm. And you're sufficiently, you're sufficiently utilizing your oxygen, which means your organs are healthy, mm. right? But first, first, like Professor Erid said, you have to break down. So I, I broke down, right? Even on my last juice cleanse. I mean, I, I know I look muscular, but I lost, uh, I lost 12 pounds mm. again. I got down to 134. I haven't been that light since high school. And now I'm back up to about 139. Mm. Um, I'm usually around 144 because sometimes when I feel hungry, I eat bananas and I'll have it with pumpkin butter. So I, sometimes I need to stop the detox because... I've never left my body, but it feels, it feels, can feel very uneasy sometimes. Mm. It can feel very uneasy. And when I eat bananas with pumpkin seed butter, it grounds me because yeah. it stops my body from detoxing. I'm still raw. I'm still on fruit, but it quells my nerves mm. and it stimulates me. So the stimulation stops you from leaving your body. That's why people feel better when they eat. I think it's good. I mean, you talked about Arnold Herat, and so he has that really good book, The Mucusless Healing System or Diet. And he, he talks about transitions. And for me, it's part of it is being easy with myself and seeing, like, seeing when I have a, a nervous system that has been brought in a world that encourages us to be overstimulated that it's not from one day to the other that i'll become a perfect yogi so right um, i get it sometimes where oh i need like yesterday night i could feel like i needed i wanted almonds like i wanted the fat i wanted the crunchy and so yeah. i had a few almonds you know and, and that that's part of the i'm on the hair right he says good to do a transition diet and if you like if you're on a Western diet and you go straight into a seven day dry fast, well, you, you'll you probably could die. die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be very healthy for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, your organs, if you think about the organs, there's only five major organs. The organs mm. related to digestion are redundant. Mm. They're only here because we started to eat fruit and we started to drink water. So mm. we had to be able to clean the food mm. and we're not really living we're not really living on the food, right? We crave dense foods like veggies and nuts as we eat a fruit diet and detox because we're not used to the high vibrational state. And subconsciously, we want to be brought back down. It's yeah. like being on a roller coaster and being afraid to reach the top. So as long as dense mineral roots and flax seeds for the omega-3 fatty acids are incorporated into the detox process, one doesn't need to eat vegetables or nuts as both are not really beneficial because vegetables are locked up by anti-nutrients called ox oxalic acid, phytic acid, mm. and saponins and nuts are locked up by phytic acid lessen, lectins, mm. and they're way out of balance in omega-6 fatty acids. And that's why I take marine phytoplankton, 
because this is perfectly balanced. This is the perfect food. Everybody should eat phytoplankton. I'm super interested in this. Uh, I'd love to, to talk about it. As someone on a transition, one really important thing is to hydrate a lot. So I'm going to have a little pee break too. And I'll maybe during two minutes, you can share something with, a, with our listener. Sure. Sure. They'll have the surprise when I listen to the recording. Beautiful. Thank you, yes. Brian. Thank you, Alex. Well, hello, world out there. Uh, it's just me and you. Uh, you know, everybody's on their own journey, right? It's important that you honor your journey. You can't do what I do. You can't do what Josh X does. You can't do what Alex is doing. If you're deciding to go on a fruit journey, that's great. Do it for a day. See how you feel. If you feel good, do it for two days. See how you feel. If you feel good, do it for three days. But as soon as you start to feel like it's too much, then I would say you break your fruit with either leafy greens or some nuts, right? Because that's the transition. Because it takes you out of that, that state of feeling that you have no energy. And in this world, people need to live their lives. So transitioning is very important. The only thing is when you eat those foods, you have to know that they're dehydrating, right? Mm -hmm. So after you eat a food that is nutrient dense, now there's another problem with that word, especially people who are loving the liver. It's the most nutrient dense food on the world. Well, I say to myself, well, if it's dense, then I don't want to eat it <laughs> because if it's dense, it means that my body has to expend more energy to break it down. And then the energy stops going to the healing process. So I don't want to eat dense foods. I want to eat a simple food that's got all the nutrients but is easily assimilated by the body. And this feeds your hypothalamus gland, which is the master conductor of God's symphony. So when you give the, the hypothalamus everything it needs, then you synergistically work as one unit because you're not parts. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm really curious about it. Do you you good to go for another like 30 minutes or so? Because I feel like sure, it's a sure. conversation. And, yeah, it's been um, great. Okay, thanks. Um, one thing I'd, I'd love to ask you about is, do you, so looking at your physique, do you feel you could be like, you could have been like this, building uh, on on fruits because you've obviously built your muscles way before you were on a fruit iron um diet and i could see people say like oh well that's that's great that he's bulky and fruit iron but he built those muscles when he was on meat and proteins and all that well i was 20 pounds heavier <laughs> right so I'm 20 pounds lighter than I was being on fruit and I'm still muscular. So I've also been on this for six and a half years. So I've always been on the phytoplankton before I went on the fruit journey. Yeah. So I can't really tell, I can only give my, my opinion of my experience mm -hmm. and I've been on the phytoplankton longer and I'm not going to get off of it. So, but now, I feel like, see, I also don't work out to build muscle, which is hypertrophy training, which needs to be more linear. 
I do more rotational type training where I'm moving through space with loads. I want to be a cheetah. I don't want to be uh, a blocky blockhead like I used to be. So I'm not after a, a look anymore. I just happen to be gifted by God with this body. But I'm not trying to be big. If I wanted to be big, I think if I went on um, a powerlifting routine like I used to, I could build muscle even being on fruit. I do believe that. I would probably want to eat more bananas and avocados, though. Mm. And I think I could definitely gain weight if I ate more bananas and avocados than Actually, the fruits, berries, and melons. I, I just finished the 80-10-10 diet by uh, Doug Graham. And so it's all about being really careful on protein, but especially fat. So avoid like then avoiding things like avocados because they are, I think, 70% fat and right. a lot of the nuts and seeds and talking about how a lot of raw food people, they fail or they think it's, uh, it's not good for them because they eat too much fat. What's your take on that? Well, yeah, I agree. When you were on your break, I talked about breaking your transition with nuts, but I didn't talk about the amount. Most people will eat too much, right? You really can only have like five or six Brazil nuts, right? Like two or three walnuts, right? You can't have a ton and people will generally keep eating, right? So you have to be able to have portion control when you're adding fats into your diet. Because yes, I do believe that fats can agglomerate the system. So you want to not eat fat. Now, my first six months, I told you I eat avocado every night. I would eat fruit all day and then I'd eat avocado because it stimulated me. And I needed that stimulation because the detox was severe. So, um, but then after six months, all of a sudden I didn't want avocado anymore. It was like one day I just was sick of it. And I was mm -hmm. like, this doesn't even taste good. So now I only eat it once in a while, especially if my wife wants to go out to brunch or something, then mm -hmm. I'll order an avocado toast and I'll tell them I don't want the toast. And they're like, just avocado. I'm like, well, I can't sit here and not eat <laughs> because you can't take up a table in New York City. So I just eat the avocado <laughs> and that's what I do. So that's when I when I break, I have, you know, I have to be compromising with her journey as well so yeah it's like, interesting here here in, uh, in Ubud in Bali there's a really big culture of vegan restaurants and even raw vegan restaurants which wonderful. on the hand is great because um, it's it's a beautiful place and it's so cheap because it's Bali so a lot of the expats they just go three times a day to have uh, dr um, dried papaya flax seeds crackers wow. is you know this kind of like amazing food for like five dollars you have uh, uh, amazing that. and it's beautiful but at the same time it's almost more tempting and harder for me where i'm at now mm. and yeah it's um so my partner she was in europe and she came back and all of a sudden i wasn't going to restaurants at all because it becomes pretty hard or sometimes we go and i'm it's like i just want a bowl of mango and I was just reflecting and sharing with her because it felt complicated to have a bowl of mango. It tells a lot about what society we live in, where I can go to a restaurant and if I want a dehydrated cracker with salmon, papaya and cashew cheese and uh, sauerkraut and avocado toast, it's like easy. Yeah. If I want a bowl of mango, it's, it's like, oh, and you don't, as you said, like, oh, if I want yeah. avocado... 
but with no salt, with no oil, with no spices, with no bread, <laughs> just avocado. It's complicated. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, because of my wrestling background, I have a lot of discipline. So I'm really disciplined. I, I don't, I was just with my best friend over the weekend and he's not in very good shape at all. We're the same age. And I sat and I watched him eat and he's like, how do you do it? I go, I don't know. We were walking around this place and there were food everywhere. He goes, how do you do it? I go, I don't know. <laughs> is, that, is that really discipline though? Because what I'm finding more and more, because my, my partner, she says the same. She's, she's like, well, I'm, I admire your willpower. And then I thought, but I mean, of course there is some willpower. So, uh, it depends on where I'm at and emotionally and a lot of things, but more and more, I really just don't want it. And, and because we, you know, we get rid of some parasites, we just get used to it, we remove addictions. And I had the same with a lot of things where I would allow myself and I thought, okay, now I'm going to have one raw meal a day. And I just didn't want it in the end. So I don't know if it's the same for you, but a, a lot of time it's like my mind kind of wants it because of a habit. But then if I really tune in in what I really want and I feel how heavy it's going to be to mix that cashew cheese with this and all this fat, I'm like, I don't want it. Yeah. Well, I agree with you, but also I have to walk through New York City and the smells of New York City and the food are everywhere. Mm. So there's definitely discipline and willpower involved because yeah. you can't have your brain stimulated with smells and not remember how good it tasted. Mm. Right. So yes, there's a degree of me not wanting it. I say to myself, you know, I smell it. And I'm like, wow. And then I'm like, well, you don't want it. But yet there's, there is this tug going on. It's, it's inevitable for me. Right. I don't do it, but I definitely have thoughts of saying to myself, well, I've even said to her, I'm like, gosh, man, why does eating healthy have to, why does eating bad have to be so unhealthy? <laughs> right. It sucks in a way because you are still running subconscious programs of your life. I grew up Italian. Italian food is amazing. And I can't eat Italian. Food, right. Now, can I, would I say I don't want to? That's not true. I would love to rip into lasagna, but I won't do it. I won't do it, but I would, yes, I want, of course I want to. Right. I thinking also like, yeah, breaking away from your past can help too. So we're thinking if, if I were to go back to Paris and, and get the meals that I used to love when I was a child, it's like, it's like in a way being here away, it's easier to step into my new identity than if I was in the, in um context I'm, I was more used to when I had those bad habits which makes me think, um, why are you still in New York? I'm almost surprised. Well, the wife won't leave. She loves New York. I've been here for 53 years. I'm over it. I'm ready. I, I travel a lot. In two weeks, I'm going out to Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> she has to stay here for work, and I'm going to go. I'm going to live in the mountains for two weeks. So I make sure I get away enough to be able to, you know, be with myself and take some personal time for myself, which is totally normal and good. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I also love New York city. There's nothing like it. It's pretty amazing, right? It's, it's actually really, especially when the weather's nice, New York city is amazing. 
you can you can do whatever you want whenever you want to do it and you can be happy doing it you don't have to feel like oh my god these people are crazy there's too much energy if you're centered then you know in india people are meditating on the side of the street and the streets are packed but people are meditating they don't need quiet they don't need it to be quiet they can meditate anywhere so your your life should be meditation Right? It, it does help. Have to. It does help. I, I agree. It's uh, ultimately that's that's great, and that's where you want to be. And at the same time, especially as we transition, it's easier if we have an environment that's supporting. But. I I think it it would be, but I mean I've done really well so far, three years and eight months. Yeah. So, I mean, COVID was the best thing that ever happened because I was perfect with my diet. We couldn't yeah. go out. And I was eating fruit, nothing but fruit. And then mm. I didn't see my acupuncturist for 10 months. And when I went back, he listened to my pulse. He looked at my tongue and he said, wow, you've gotten better. He goes, you didn't have any work? I go, no, where was I going to go? He said, you've gotten better. And, I, and he said, you're still on your diet? I said, yep, even, even more. Okay. Were you, uh, during the pandemic, were you in uh, lockdown in, <laughs> in New York? I agree. And hmm? I agree with that word, pandemic. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, were you, was it a long lockdown? I, I, I didn't look. Yeah, well, we were the first to be locked down. And I knew we weren't going to open. I knew it was a lie. I knew that there was no such thing as flatten the curve. Right? So I knew it. So uh, I was a personal trainer teaching people one-on-one -on -one and I lost my business. Mm. So I said, wow, I got to start an online breathing business. And I did. And now since then I've become fully automated teaching people online and it's nice. great. I work from home and I enjoy working from home. I can do what I want. I don't have to worry about travel time and I get to work with people like you all day. And I have beautiful conversations with people from all over the world. And it's been the most satisfying last two and a half years of my life and it set me on a course that's changed my whole life for the better and for me to be able to help other people i'm really interested also how you talked about um i don't know if you're open to talk about it but um as i shared with you with with my partner being more on fruits it's a little bit harder because she loves i'm happy she's vegan and really interested in detox so we're quite a line and at the same time she really enjoys a nice restaurant and i go sometimes but uh, it's changed a bit our lifestyle um and on on one hand i think for a relationship to work it's beautiful to have enough compatibility <coughs> on the other hand i find it really beautiful that uh, human beings we're evolving and will always be evolving and so to be able to accept each other and its difference is something really important too so I'm I'm curious, like, um, how has it been? How long have you been with your wife? And uh, and and I guess you've changed, and uh, maybe you wish it took the same path. But at the same time, it looks like you both accept each other in your evolution. So, what's what yeah. do you have to say about that? I don't wish her to do anything that she doesn't want to do. Yeah. So um, we've been together. October 16th will be seven years. We've been married for three and a half. And uh, I've been vegan the whole time, and she hasn't. And um, every time we go out, I eat salads. So 
it's very easy because all I have to do is eat a salad. So she gets to do what she wants and I get to experience that. I let her, you know, we, we have beautiful conversations and she doesn't care what I eat. She can have her life and I could have my life. And in that way, it's been even better because we allow each other the space to be who we want to be. Are you, um, are you also vegan for moral reasons or is it just health? Good question. I started for health reasons. It wasn't for the animals, but now I would never, like when I cheat, I mean, I haven't had flesh in at least nine years. I will never go back to flesh. I will never go back to eggs, meat, fish, never. I will never put that in my body. And now the re main reason would be like, I would never cause suffering to another animal. So leave no trace, do no harm. Thou shalt not kill. Yeah. Um, about that. Well, let's, let's talk about the marine phytoplankton because I'm really interested in that. Uh, yeah, what, what, like just can you talk, share more about it? Because I guess most people like me have no clue what it is. Well, it was, uh, it's about, you know, 3 billion years old. So when the conditions were ripe on earth, the marine phytoplankton was created by light, sound and vibration in the ocean. And of course, God. Mm. And the condition was ripe enough that the light, sound and vibration, vibration meaning the energy that we live in, right? We're in a fishbowl. We just don't know it. The atmosphere is the water. We just don't know it, right? The fish don't know they're in the water. So the organism was created through light, sound and vibration. And then it was floating in the ocean and it needed to eat. So it started to secrete waste. The first thing that happens is when an organism is created, it's got to remove waste. It doesn't need nutrition. It needs energy. We don't, we're not alive because of the food. We're alive because of the sun and the earth, the energy the earth gives us. We are natural breatharians. So it's the energy and the electrons from the sun that we need to survive, not the actual food. The food is literally creating residue in our body. Even fruit leaves a little bit of a residue. So marine phytoplankton, when it made energy in, in its organism and it released that waste into the ocean, there was no food for it to eat. So through resonant frequency, it brought its own waste back into the cell. So it converted its own waste into fuel. And that's what we do. When I do breath holding, the way I teach it, when this shuts off, I got to turn the light back on. When we do breath holding and carbon dioxide goes up and oxygen goes down and gets delivered to the tissues, carbon dioxide starts to become acidic in the body. So it disassociates into carbonic acid, which then it disassociates into bicarbonate. So your body takes the acid and it buffers the acid in order to keep you alive. So in essence, you teach your body 
to delay the onset of fatigue by feeding off of your own lactate, just like phytoplankton. So phytoplankton has all the essential fats in the right balance. I don't need to eat meat, fish. It's all here. It's got all the amino acids and every essential amino acid. So my body is always making the perfect protein, which I believe too is another reason why I can gain muscle. And then it has all of the vitamins. It's loaded with chlorophyll. So all of the B vitamins, and then it has almost all the minerals. So in order to get minerals, I take Quintone seawater, which has been around since 1897. So I take a mineral seawater in the morning and at night before I go to bed. So in order to keep my minerals high, I take seawater, which is from the ocean. Mm. For the marine phytoplankton makes me think a bit of, um, I mean, I like shilajit. Uh, it's like ancient plants. I don't know much, but have been turned into resin. So when you talked about like that ancient um parts like that that that's quite available in bali uh, but i'd like to look it's good for you yes mm. yeah very few things i would put in my body but it's funny you said that because i just ordered shilajit i'm gonna start trying it i'm gonna yeah. do it and see how i react to it and then um uh the phytoplankton is also the detoxifier of the ocean so mm. when you eat this it's detoxifying your body while it's also nour nourishing you and healing you, mm. right? And um, it's made with, the one that I get is made with scalar wave technology. So okay. they take the vibrations from the blue whales that are giving birth and nurse dolphins are spinning around them, pinging them with high frequencies. And they capture these frequencies with a machine and then they infuse it into their product. And this mm. company is called ascendedhealth.com and they're okay. cutting edge. Nice. Nice, nice. Do you like, um, do you promote them? Is that part of? Um, um, well, I'm not going to get anything uh, back from it. If people go on their website and order, they're not going to know it's from me. So, okay. but yes, I promote it because I've been living on it for six and a half years. And you could live on this and not, you don't have to put food in your body. You could live on this alone. So I would not, say. Uh, you're not an affiliate for them. Uh, they don't have an affiliate for me. But if I tell them that people have joined, they give me some some free stuff. Yeah, but no, I don't get kickbacks. But if they did, I would very happily do it. I don't have anything against it, just so you know. But uh, yeah. it's like knowing that you don't, it's slightly easier also to to uh, be like. Yeah, well, oh, like I said, I'm not, I don't have the code that I'm giving you. People should go on AscendedHealth.com and they should check out their products. They wouldn't right. know I, I've sent them there. <laughs> Yeah, and, and look, it's 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 uh, part of, you know, if you think something's really good, you sh you should share <laughs> share about it. You share. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm also very I don't put things in my body, so I take the seawater, I take the phytoplankton, and I also take ormus that they they source from a volcano in Hawaii that's 1.8 billion years old, so it's got all the monoatomic solids in it which are very necessary for you. So again, it's not picking a mineral here and a mineral there and putting it into a solution. It's coming from the source, mm. right? So when you get it from the source, it works synergistically in your body. And that's mm. what's important to me. 
like a fruit which is would be synergistic you know health and food so so talking about this one things thing i've um changed in my diet also in the past like four months or so is moving to distilled water and as you talked about the seawater and minerals and I'm, i'm not an expert in it but what i understand the proponents of distilled water is that this kind of sometimes you can say living or non-living minerals you can call it organic or inorganic not in the way that we talk about organic fruits but more right. like let's say if you take salt uh, if you have rocks it's not as in that logic it's not going to be assimilated by the body versus the salts in celery that are living and that can be assimilated and some people talk about um, the rocks being positive um, positive charge and the, the one the living ones being negative charge Are you into distilled water? Is that something you are into? I, if I had room for a distiller, I would definitely distill my water. But uh, I don't. I live in New York City. So I have a Berkey water filter, which mm-hmm. filters out 99% of all the contaminants. But okay. it's probably not what you would consider living water. Mm-hmm. But I don't drink a ton of water because I eat a lot of melons. So mm. my day starts with watermelon. So I'm eating my water and that water is the fourth phase of water. It's structured water, which is exactly what the the zygote needed to start diffusing cells when it, the sperm fused with the egg is Mm. the, the egg brought in structured water in order to do that. So it's for every chemical reaction to take place, you need a solvent and that solvent isn't, clear water it's structured water it's a gel-like substance which you can only find in fruits so for me i don't drink very much water i eat my water and it's giving me phytonutrients and biophotons mm. and actually the the water in fruits is distilled water yes in spring yep. water yeah There's four kinds of distilled water from what I've learned. There's the rainwater. Of course, it gets polluted, so it's not advised. But if it was pure, then you have artificially distilled. Then you have the water in fruits or coconut water also. And uh, also urine. So I'm, I'm interested if it's something you've uh, experimented with. Yes, I was experimenting with my urine. But uh, I, I recently stopped only because I was on a, I'm on a parasite cleanse because I actually have pinworms in my colon and I've had them for quite a while, but I haven't been able to get rid of them. I'm actually next week working with a, a really high level detox specialist. And he's going to teach me how to use suppositories with herbs to gain the fumes, to get the, all the parasites to come out. And, um, you know, people are like, how could you have parasites? You're so clean. Well, New York city, There's a field next to my house. I run barefoot. And in the mornings, they let the dogs on from seven to nine. And I easily could have got it from the dogs, from them shitting in the grass, even though the owner's picking it up. So I easily could have gotten it from that. So I don't know how I got them, but I know I've been trying to get rid of them. And now I'm going to do some really deep cleansing work to get rid of them. How do you know you have that parasite? I had my hair tested. You had? I had my hair tested through bioresonant okay. frequencies. 
Okay. Yeah, what kind of tests do you do then? Because I'd be really interested in doing that. So for parasite getting a hair tested, do you do iridiology? Do you do blood tests? What, what's yeah. your preference? Uh, blood is very not important. As long as your lymphatic system's clean, then your blood is clean. So it doesn't matter what your blood markers are. It matters if your blood markers are, are bad, it's because your lymph is stagnant. So the first thing you always address is the lymph and the kidneys and the adrenals. Um, I have had my iris read. Very important to have your iris read because it's the complete map of all mm. 700 lymphatic vessels. They could tell you your history, everything about you. Um, and what was the other question? Oh, uh, what the hell? Because I had my iridiology, but it didn't tell me exactly, oh, you have that parasite. Um, well, they can't tell you which parasite, but they can tell you whether or not you have them. Mm. That, that's, but with the hair, you can say which one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the guy that I use, he's a quantum medicine practitioner. He's about to have his doctorate from Quantum University in Hawaii. And he's Kennedy Lodato. His name is Kennedy Lodato. I don't okay. know if it's .com or .net. He's in Canada. Okay. Um, and he's a quantum medicine practitioner. So you could do a session with him, send him your hair and nails, and mm. he can scan it. He doesn't, you don't even need to be in person. And he can tell you every single marker of your body just by testing your hair and nails through bioresonant frequencies. Oh, because wow. everything is frequency. Okay, and for people listening, I'll put some notes in the YouTube video so people can uh, go dig into the rabbit hole <laughs> further. Yeah, and also for, for right. you, of, uh, for you of course, Brian. I think if you still have a bit of time, I'd, that would tie into um, especially what do you? Well, we could take maybe like one more question because uh, okay, let's I, do one more question. So know. the questions, the question is gonna be. Uh, especially as you're talking about quantum things. What I feel is that it's a transition where I'm at right now in my state of consciousness is that I'm going to stabilize being a Futaian and working with being in a nice environment, having a nice breath, relaxed nervous system. <laughs> and the birds here, I mean, the crickets here. Beautiful. Agree. Beautiful. <laughs> And I feel, I, I can't put an exact time, but I feel after having done that transition and maybe it's five years, then I might be ready to slowly also decrease, go to more liquid iron and decrease and make my way more towards Brazilianism. Uh, that's what I feel is possible. Is that also what you feel is the way for you? I would have to leave New York City. Mm. I would have to be living somewhere like where you live. In order to well, be able to even myself now i'm in ubud but there's a bit of traffic so we also got land more in the mountains where the air is so pure and there's an ancient forest and yeah. we can capture the rainwater it's actually almost purely distilled and i definitely stuff. believe i would need to, yeah i definitely believe i would need to remove myself from this kind of society to do that because mm. i also yeah. know that EMF also? Are you? Yeah, are you yeah. I mean, I, I have my house protected. I've had my outlets checked and they're very low. But, um, you know, breatharianism is, uh, it's, not, it's not easily achievable. It's not something that's easy because the desire is always going to be to eat. 
right? Because the body craves stimulation. It's been stimulated. By the, way, by the way, just on the label, breathianism, some in the definition can allow to eat very little, which is obviously very subjective. And there can be people who's, who say like, well, he says he's breathian, but he still eats sometimes. So some stop totally. But I th- where I'm at now, I would like to well, just eat when I want. Well, I think that if, they, if some are breatharian and they eat once in a while, then that's their transition. Okay. Yeah. So everybody else wants to label us. Everybody else wants to say, oh, you're not really breatharian. You eat every month. Well, who are, who are, who are you? I don't, have to, I don't have to be anybody to anybody. I only have to live my best life and live my truth and just share my information. It doesn't matter what other people think, really. I can't, you know, if I, if I eat, I'm fruitarian. If I eat a salad, am I not fruitarian? Of course I'm fruitarian, right? And I don't have to, I don't have to, that, but I'm very honest too. Like on Instagram, I always talk about my life because I'm a real person. So I tell these things. I don't hide them. I don't try to lie about it. I tell when I go off the range or do stuff like that, but that's, so it's okay. It's my journey, right? And it's always a reflection in someone else's eyes. They want to judge. So as soon as they, you get that judgment, then you know that it has nothing to do with you. So it doesn't matter what anybody else's opinion is. Yeah, so you'd say it's something that you would have interest in, but you'd probably need to move your, the environment. So you'll basically, you'll see you're happy as it is being more on fruits in New York City, and if yeah. life gets you to be in a more pure environment, that's something you might go yeah. more towards. Well, Alex, I would like to experience what I experienced on Bufo on a minute-to-minute basis, and that would be the way to do it. Because when you stop eating, you fully receive your breath, and it's your lungs that make almost all of the DMT, 80%. It's not your pineal gland. It's your lungs. So when you stop eating and your, your digestive organs go to sleep, the kundalini energy rises. And then you live off your cerebral spinal fluid. Your cerebral spinal fluid is your pump in your body. So then you start living on prana and you start living the life of the awakened one, which is the Buddha. That would be the ultimate. But I don't know about this life. But I know I've cleared all my karma because I, I had a spiritual seer with me in my Bufo journeys. So I know that I'm, I'm literally karma-less from all my past lives. So when I do come back, which I, of course I will, because the earth is not done ascending, I'm definitely going to come back at a higher state. So maybe in my next life, I'll have the ability to live that lifestyle. I'm not so sure about this life. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Okay, last tiny question then, because you talked about liquids going up the spine. Uh, Brian, do you still ejaculate? Uh, no, I try, I try not to. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I lived a life of sex and masturbation, and that destroyed my kidneys and adrenal glands. People don't understand that. It's your sacred oil. You're getting rid of it. So, you know, the fastest way to enlightenment is through union. It's Tantra. And when I was on Bufo, I felt that. It was sexual energy that was crazy, but it wasn't horny. 
it was sexual tantric energy, which is the earth, the pranic energy of earth. So you don't want to get rid of your seed, just like you don't want to take very many breaths, which is why you don't want to hyperventilate. Okay, thank you, Brian. I think enough for today. <laughs> yeah, we can do this again. It's been beautiful talking with you. You're, yeah. You have a really wonderful presence. Your questions are great. And um, I would love to, to be with you again. And hopefully one day meet you in Bali. <laughs> oh, yeah. that, That's some place I really want to get to. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful here. But it's also beautiful to... Uh, have people anchoring the vibration in big cities like New York City. Because I could run a retreat. We could run a retreat. I could go anywhere in the world and work. That's I have the ability to do that. So I I would be very interested in stuff like that. Teaching breath work and fruitarianism. Yeah. Yeah. We could do okay, we could get a dream team too. I know uh Josh X wants to come to Bali also with his family. Mm. Yeah, and also, also I'll send you when I interview Eli from Fremelon Society. He's, he's like a really, really aligned guy too. So nice. Yeah. nice. Thanks for the, like planting that seed and it might manifest into something really beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, let's do it. That'd be great. Well, thank you so much, Alex. I really appreciate it. And thank you for everybody out there for watching this. And I hope the information resonates with you. If you want to find me, my website is quantumfitness.org. My Instagram channel is breath underscore verse, like universe. And um, I have breathing training programs and I work with people on a month to month basis in order to establish their breath, which is the primordial way we need to live. And um, it's really a wonderful thing. Amazing. Thanks, Brian. I'll be looking uh, even more into what you're doing and I hope the listeners too. And I'll put notes uh, down the video, especially on YouTube, but also on the podcasting channel so people can uh, easily find you and the resources we talked about. Nice. Um, great. Thank you. Grateful for everyone taking the time to listen to. And uh, yeah, and for you, Brian, to give some of your precious time to share your journey. And uh, yeah, congratulations again. Like, it looks thank like you. it's something that works for you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Appreciate it, Alex. Mm. Thank you.